Hey guys, welcome to episode number 34 of the Studio 7 Fitness Podcast um, with myself, Michael Lindsay. How are you? Hope you had a great week. Um, delighted to welcome back uh, a previous guest who's going to come on. Um, you know, we got so much great feedback, the both of us, from this episode. And the episode we did was on resilience and it was with psychotherapist Sheila Ryan. Um, I got some great feedback and I still was receiving feedback uh, even over the last few days from somebody who'd, who'd, who'd listened to it recently. And Sheila said to me that she got some great feedback from her end. So we decided, you know, uh, she was, uh, you know, it's great to see that Sheila coming back on. And today's topic we're going to talk about is confidence. Um, so uh, welcome back, Sheila, to the Studio 7 Fitness podcast. Hi, good to be here. No worries. So how are you keeping, Sheila, since the last time we we chatted? Uh, how's it all going in your in your life? Um, life is going well. Um, golf started back today. So my husband, myself, I'm starting to learn golf or be reintroduced to golf. So that was good. And um, I suppose in a professional way, um, it's been it's been quite intense the last six weeks. And I think this last lockdown has really uh, had a very big impact on everybody right through um, families, people living on their own, elderly, children, schools, people like yourself, you know, trying to keep a business, trying to sustain a business and being closed for months and months on end and the whole financial stress and worry of that on people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm aware through my own practice, but also in consultation with colleagues, that there is a huge, um, I suppose, almost, I would we say, a pandemic of anxiety out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, counsellors are incredibly busy and in demand. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's, um, it's an area where I think is, over the last year, I'm sure, has, has, has increased and there's, I'm sure there's waiting lists for, to get into, in, into counsellors. You know, the, it, it's a, uh, it's something that people n- never faced um, and it's a, w- a worldwide thing. So um, mentally, again, with, you know, people out of work, businesses closing, um, that lack of connection and that social interaction, I think, is is massive. And just from what I've learned from my members, you know, they're kind of a little bit getting over the whole Zoom and, um, uh, and they're mad to get back inside. And a lot of that is down to that connection, isn't it, Sheila, where you're okay. having contact and like we're still two metres apart, but at least we can see and talk to one another and um, rather than being in your living room, do you know? Yeah, and it's, I suppose, um, I was listening to a radio programme there during the uh, during the weekend uh, with Brendan O'Connor and Tony Bates, and it's kind of recovering from a trauma that we've all had a traumatic experience over the last year and a half, that something outside of our uh, wildest dreams has happened globally and nationally and in our own communities. Mm. Um, I think one could never imagine every bar, every pub, every hotel in this town closed for months and months and months on end. So that in itself, you know, raises a whole range of emotions within people. But hopefully we're we're getting we're, we're getting close to some kind of uh, return to normality. Yeah, exactly. And um, again, I found which has been a big thing for me over the last year is listening to podcasts and and reading and, and trying to develop, you know, doing a couple of courses and just keep the mind occupied, because I think that's a big thing, isn't it? It's just a, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to delve into about 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 confidence today. But <clears throat> I think it's just a to um to, to keep the mind busy and keep that cognitive function going and um, which is going to obviously help with the, the bigger picture um we're all going to have down periods which i've had and we've all had and it's just okay let's let's um focus in on on um maybe developing ourselves a little bit over this uh, downtime perfect sheila so what we're going to do we're going to jump into uh, the topic we're going to talk about today, um, which is the topic of confidence. So, first of all, Sheila, what, uh, in, your view, in your your viewpoint, is confidence? Well, when I was looking at um, maybe resources and how to present this, I suppose I kind of came up with an image. And I know that you have a niece and a nephew. Yeah. They're a bit older now, but. 
can you remember when one of them started to get up on a tricycle? Yeah. Like small ones of 18 months, two years, they're fearless. They just get up it, they fall off it, they cry, they get right back up on it. And the next thing, he or she is king of the road or queen of the road. Yeah. And children have that innate confidence. And somewhere along the line, that gets diluted for many people. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But when I look at confidence, I see it as a practice. Um, it's a skill. Uh, it's almost like a muscle that we have to develop. So the word itself comes from the Latin word fidere, which means to trust. And confidence is really being sure of yourself regardless of the outcome. And you're not really reliant on the outcome. You have a sense of belief that you will do all that is possible to achieve a particular result. So we acquire confidence first and foremost through practical experience. So think of your little nephew. You know, he developed the confidence to be able to cycle, uh, to get back up on the bike. And next thing, you know, it's, it's again, it's almost like when we learn to drive a car, that it suddenly becomes just second nature to us. Yeah. Um, so we have to kind of a, develop a particular mindset. Um, so my understanding of confidence is that it's really about being sure of yourself in relation to a specific area or skill. So, for example, I know that you're very confident as a personal trainer. You've studied extensively for it. You have years of experience. You've worked in a variety of different settings. So that comes, again, second nature. Yeah. Now, self-esteem then is linked. It's a first cousin to courage. That's really about how we feel about ourselves. So self-esteem, how we feel can vary in different situations. So take it that um, you're confident in what you do. How confident then are you in cooking? Maybe you're very confident, but would you be able to hold a dinner party for 10? I could be better. I'm waiting the answer. <laughs> could be better, but uh, getting better with practice. <laughs> okay. But if somebody threw it at you that you had to host a dinner party for 10 or 12 people, would that just come very easily? Because I know in my case, it wouldn't. I know I can cook, but yeah. I know that I would not consider myself a confident or competent cook in terms of presenting a meal for a group of people. Same, same, same as that. I wouldn't be confident. Yeah. One or two, no. maybe, 12, maybe not. As a psychotherapist, Overall, I feel at this stage, I'm very confident in the, ro the role I play. Yeah. So I'm confident in a particular areas of my life and other areas prove more challenging, right? Yeah. So um, like if we were, to, if I was to develop confidence about cooking, well, then I would do courses on it and I would perfect presentation and yeah. menus and a whole variety of things. Um, in the same way as if somebody wanted to be um, good in your area, well, then one would have to go and learn training. So confidence, as I say, is really about developing skills and it's very much through personal experience and that we face into it, that we are okay regarding what, whatever probabilities arise, good or bad, we're going to have a go at it. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes people confuse confidence and consider it to be a whole range of things, which it's not. So I'm wondering, Mike, would it be of interest if I just went through things that I consider um, to be not, not uh, certain things that I don't believe are confidence? So confidence is not a personality type. Okay. Okay. So it's not. Um, it's not an attribute or quality that comes with all person with all personality types. It's not about being better than anyone else. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. In fact, quite the opposite, because my experience of confident people is that they are more attuned to what they are doing than wondering about what others think of them. All right. They're very much focused. Focused on the goal. And, and yeah. The Confidence is not about vanity. Okay. It's not about a fixed on changing things. So a confident person is one who's willing to experience new situations and new environments. So people that are confident don't have fixed mindsets. They're, they have what we call growth mindsets, where they're open to possibilities. Yeah. So going back to what you asked, what is confidence? I suppose the definition, a true definition of confidence is that confidence requires a willingness to fail. And I consider a confident person who is relaxed with uncertainty and is okay with failure. Yeah. How does that, does that ring true? Yeah, yeah, no, it's brilliant. And that willingness to fail and, you know, it's the, so, and you mentioned a word belief there, you know, at the beginning, yeah. that belief in your own ability to succeed. Yeah. That's pretty much something yeah. up and that willingness to fail, but get up like that child did who fell off his tricycle, you know, yeah. which we do sometimes struggle. Sometimes we fail and we're okay, that's, that didn't work. So I'm not going to try that again. You know, we have that sort of fixed mindset, as you said, instead of a growth one that, you know, uh, uh, we're mutual fans of Carol Dweck, you know, she, she used that's to right. talk about um, uh, how, how I talked a bit about the difference between growth and fixed in, in an email I sent out recently. Yeah. Yeah, no, that summed it up really well, Sheila. Um, how how could somebody, how could one of the listeners um, develop develop uh, confidence? And said it's you don't necessarily have to, you know, as you said earlier, you don't you're not born confident. Um, it's not a personality trait. But how can we develop it if if it's something we struggle with? Okay, are you willing to do a little bit of an experiment? I will do my best, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what I want you to do, Michael. And if people are listening to this and are not driving a car, but if you're sitting as you are now, yeah. just close your eyes. Okay. So to support you, I'm closing my eyes too. So as we've closed our eyes, I want you to focus on your breath. And I want you to breathe in for four and out for six. I'd like you to do that again, Michael. So let's just breathe in for four. And out for six. And just for good luck, Michael, we do it one more time. So breathe in for four and out for six. Okay. How do you feel? good um i think it's amazing when you just focus in on being um and we take sort of breathing for granted i think you know it just happens and we get on with life but i think it's powerful we just did there even with a few breaths it focused me in anyways it made me more mindful um and even started you know that little bit of calmness came across me so yeah. it just shows in a short amount of time what, what you can do with the breath well, I explain, like I certainly know that when I myself did it with you, that I felt a lot, I feel a lot better now than I did before. Yeah. So what happened there? So I'm just going to give you, as, a, as Luke O'Neill says, the science behind it. Yeah. Um, physically and chemically, we changed our brains in that short exercise. What actually happened is that in our brains, there's a very small piece of tissue in the limbic system, the emotional brain, and it's called the locus coreleus, C-O-E-R-U-L-E-U-S, if anybody wants to look it up. And it's, it produces, it's the headquarters of neuroadrenaline. So it is a source of very uh, a source producer of very critical chemicals that we need 
so it's actually a no, and a very natural wonder drug that's played for the fight or flight system. It gets our bodies ready to be alert and and prepared in the event of a surprise. So what happens is that that chemical, when it comes into the system, um, it prepares the body to be ready for action. And then it responds precisely to the amount of oxygen that's in our blood. So when you and I breathe it in and out, and the longer you breathe out, you're actually changing the oxygen levels in your bloodstream. Wow. And you're controlling this particular hormone, this chemical. So when we are in a state of high alertness, yeah. when we breathe, we reduce that level of anxiety. So you're going to say to me now, what has that got to do with confidence? So performance in life, like the task of you producing this podcast or me giving this presentation yeah. or any challenge like that, going for an interview for a job, it really depends on our level of arousal. Yeah. So we need a certain amount of neuroadrenaline in our system. We need a certain amount of that chemical to manage the anxiety and to be able to cope with the demands of, let's say, an interview. If we have too little of neuroadrenaline, we become maybe sleepy and bored and we have mild alertness. So we really need to get this, what, the, what we call the sweet spot of functioning, to get the balance of that chemical right. So being able to regulate your emotions helps your ability to regulate your performance and it regulates your ability to respond rather than to react. Okay? Mm. You, you avoid this whole area of anxiety by breathing properly. And hence then you feel in control of your emotions. And I'm suggesting that this essentially is the foundation stone of confidence. So breathing is key in learning how to regulate and respond better. And it's an essential building block to developing confidence. So the tip I'm saying is use your breath yeah. in for four and slow exhale out for six to change your brain and hence build confidence. Now, that. what do you think of that? That's brilliant. Um, I love how it, it's kind of control, isn't it? It's, give, it's given something that we sort of take for granted. We run on these sort of pre-programmed tapes and we just... You know, we we just you know we accept breathing because we don't even think about it. But yeah, I liked how you said if you can control the out breath and hold it for a bit longer, you're literally you're taking control and of that chemical release. I find that it gives you that power, doesn't it, Sheila? Really changing those oxygen yeah. levels, which is really uh, pretty amazing if you can actually change your chemistry. Okay, so that's the first thing, but we need a little bit more. Yeah in terms of developing confidence. So I'm suggesting that confidence is linked to a number of things, but it's not optimism. So when we speak about optimism, we can have a cheery optimism that things will be okay. So yeah. maybe as you said at the start of the, of the podcast that you know there is more optimism that businesses will be opening up this summer, yeah. all right? That things we'll, we we've got through this and it'll be okay. So we're optimistic. It's not self-esteem, and um, self-esteem is different. Self-esteem, as I said earlier, is an evaluation of yourself, your personal self. Okay. And hope then is really, I would suggest, more linked to a faith. Um, you have an investment in it. Confidence is linked to all of those. Okay. But. I'm suggesting that confidence is about action. It's about empowering action. And that confidence is the fuel that we need as a bridge to the future. It's about a belief that you're 
um, about your ability to engage in certain actions in the world, either outside of you or in your own head. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I love what you just said there uh, near the end. You said, um, I, I wrote it down because it's pretty powerful. Confidence is is like your, like a bridge to the future. I really like that. Um, yeah. It gives you that confidence, can literally build those stepping stones, those bridges to, to, to maybe cross that gap of fear or self-doubt that you may have and, and, you know, literally can, can, can start uh, the, the process of building a, a different future even, you know, so I, I like that. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing then, just developing that further, is I suppose those of us that have been around a while and have been through various things in life, um, hopefully confidence is something that develops as we move through life. But what we're working on is that I develop a confidence that through difficult situations where I feel pressured, that I can actually change my brain chemistry just by breathing. Mm. I can feel myself grounded. I can close my eyes, breathe in and breathe out. And I'm confident that I can get through this as in terms of managing the level of anxiety around it. Mm. Okay, so... They, 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 I would see it, if you saw confidence, like, let's say, as a bridge to the future, yeah. and there's two strands to the bridge. So one strand is can do, can happen. So can do is about self-efficacy. So let's say I am being reintroduced to golf. I said that earlier. Yeah. So I have a belief that I can play golf, right? Yeah. And I have a belief that it will happen. And therefore, I organize myself in terms of preparing how to be about that. OK, so I, I can go with that. It's a bit like saying if somebody's a smoker, I can actually give up cigarettes and it can happen. I can see a world where I'm not smoking. I have sufficient um, focus on the outcome. So I set out goals. I set out a, um, a way of achieving that yeah. yeah and like that's very linked to the work that you do in terms of let's say people that want to get fit somebody that wants to let's say you and I did a 10k for charity a couple of years ago and I said okay I know physically I can run 10k yeah and it will happen so the steps then is that I set goals which included uh, bringing you on board. And we started with, is it the two-minute jog and the five-minute walk or whatever? Yeah. And yeah. with that, the task was completed. And then that confirmed my belief about myself that I can run 10K. And therefore gave you the confidence to be able to go. Yeah. So again, it's a practice. Confidence is a practice. Yeah. And it's a muscle. And the more you use it, the stronger it gets. Yeah. Okay, Sheila. Uh, what would be the roots of uh, low self-esteem, for example? I think a lot of it stems from childhood, okay. um, and where people aren't giving given opportunities, encouragement, and support, um, a sense of belief in themselves. Um, that all kind of affects children's confidence as, as they grow older. As I said, young children just have that innate confidence, but somewhere, sadly, uh, that can be lost. And lacking confidence is unfortunately a very large obstacle in life. Um, so you asked me what the root causes of low, uh, low confidence is. I think it's fear, and that's where I brought up about the breath. Yeah. It's it comes from a fear. So the fears that people have that fuel low confidence are people feeling, looking stupid, feeling put down, being judged, and the fear of making a mistake, yeah. the fear of being rejected, um, the fear of being hurt either physically or mentally. Um, 
have you ever kind of had an experience in your youth where your confidence took a bit of a, a dive? Yeah. I could probably give you a specific one. Yeah, I was probably the wasn't really that self-confident out of luckily for me, uh, Sheila, I, I managed to pick up sport pretty well. You know, I even knew sports. So, you know, I got into the first team of rugby and, and hockey and cricket and place, even though I, I played football my whole life, soccer that came easy to me uh, as such. But then I remember getting up a little bit higher into a high level. And um, I remember a coach really sort of, you know, dug me out, um, kind of sort of roaring at me on a training game saying I wasn't striking the ball properly. And all the players were watching and kind of there was a few giggles and laughs and he kept on saying, do it again. And I kept on obviously getting more stressed and anxious and kept on not doing it the way he wanted. Um, So that made me literally feel, you know, like like, you know, so small. And I remember I was only, say, 15, 16 playing youth football and went home and I was in I was you know really upset and stuff so that that had a you know not me for a good while you know I can tend to be sensitive enough so um but I remember that and it was something that I thought it was the only really thing I was good at but all of a sudden or maybe I'm not I'm not and I'm not obviously uh, and um you know that coach in a negative way had had an impact on me for an, a number of years later on you know? so it can be deep-rooted yeah. um I think you know that even though I'm doing a podcast, um, I know that um, I have a fear or an anxiety, not a fear, no, I, I have an anxiety about public speaking. And it stems that I actually was naturally very good at Irish in oh. school. And I, in our own school and schools in the area, I was involved in debating, Irish debating. Oh. And it was something I was interested and enthusiastic as a young 14 year old and um, but then we went into a wider um competition outside of the locality and the i suppose there was a mixed mixed school and young fellas were hissing and jeering and all the rest and i lost my nerve and i couldn't talk oh. now i found it really traumatic and even to this day I always have this sense of apprehension. What if I freeze? Because that's actually what happened. So it can be very deep rooted. And that also feeds into a a lack of confidence. So it's an internal driver. That's what I would call it, lack of confidence. And it kind of works, as you were describing there, behind the scenes to erode your own confidence, your own uh, inner d- dialogue yeah. so we're very very good as people at telling ourselves or reminding of ourselves what we are and good at and we're very very good at negative self-talk yeah um so past experiences they bring up fear and in therapy therapists call it the wounded inner child if that's not healed or um this may control us into our adult life and some people can be really held captive by it. So it's really about our own personal inner voices. Um, And we can hear the voices of parents or siblings or friends, even enemies shouting at us. Um, And we we can then kind of have these echoes of regret, shame, and again, these embarrassing moments. So like when I relayed that incident of the public Irish debating, all those years ago, it still brings up kind of this feeling of, within me of embarrassment. It's like an, it anchors you to a negative emotion. Yes. And we can become brainwashed then, like, to believing these half-truths, things like if we don't do this or that mm. or the other, we then go into this inner dialogue of self-criticism. Yeah. So um, it's very, very deep-rooted. And there is a very good book by Tony Humphreys, a psychologist in Cork, and he talks about that self-confidence, self-esteem is the most important thing to determine a child's future. You know, it says, I think the title book is self-esteem is the key to your child's future. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really, again, going back to the breath, it's about finding ways to manage fear and that you know fear produces 
a whole range of other troublemakers. Like it leads us to feel maybe lazy. It's talking us into not facing fear. It breeds procrastination, telling telling ourselves to put things off, um, demotivation, and it creates a whole range of obstacles. Um, and we can fabricate a whole load of reasons why we shouldn't do certain things or why we shouldn't proceed. And it really stops us from achieving our goals. Uh, and we create what I call maybe a wall that we're not prepared to break through because the fear is too great. You're just going to, kind so, of hide, yeah, yeah. Going to hide behind the wall and not, and not, and not attempt to yeah. do it. Yeah. So how do we overcome that, right? So, as I say, you know, developing tools for confidence, for yeah. self-confidence. If someone, some of the listeners was, were sort of listening now, Sheila, and they were like, okay, this is, this is you know, ringing home to me and how I'm feeling. Um, as you mentioned, their skills, is there a sort of a, a toolkit that they can dip into and use? Is, is, I was talking to a corporate group today, Sheila, and we touched a little bit on, on NLP and how confidence and how we can anchor certain emotions. Would that be something like that as well? Okay, I think that is. It's about addressing that negative inner dialogue. Um, I'm just going to put a number of things down, but it's by no means, you know, um, a definitive list, you know, yeah. but it's just a number of things that we could put into our toolkit. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things is that if we could develop a belief that let the past be the past. Okay. So go back to the teenager that was, that froze, couldn't talk. If I stayed rooted in that, which I didn't because I had the support of an incredibly kind Irish teacher, yeah, right, who helped me with my embarrassment, my upset, and my feeling of shame. I have developed sufficient confidence to at least have a go at talking publicly on radio or to a group or whatever. And I actually know that when I get anxious, which sometimes I do, that is not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to define me and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Whereas when I was 14 or 15, it was the end of the world. So it's just letting go of the past. And linked with that then is a bit what you were saying about the NLNP is to implement positive self-talk to replace these confidence sapper things that we have, like I'm no good, I can't. Yeah. Okay. And the next thing that I'd say is that when we're blocked, to ask, what is my fear about doing something? What's the truth of this fear that I have? And what's the likelihood of the fear being realized? Yeah. You're nearly nearly kind of stepping outside and and breaking it down and saying, is this really as bad as I think it is kind of thing? Yeah. Again, it goes back even to the work that you do with physical training and that, you know, People overcoming feeling very self-conscious in a group, in a class. I'm sure you've come across that. Oh, yeah. And feeling very self-conscious and feeling very awkward and saying, well, maybe I'm I'm too young or I'm too old or um, there is, you know, I don't know any of these people. We can have a whole range of stories we tell ourselves. Yeah. And that links us then to what I would call then the next thing that I put into the toolkit is um, that when we notice that we're comparing ourselves to others, that we automatically stop it. So when I'm in your class, which I've been a few times, when I look around and see all these beautiful young women, all right, my mantra can be, has been, oh God, I'm too old for this. Oh God, I'm too heavy for this group or whatever. Whereas if I focus on what's right for me, I need to get fit. I need to feel good on myself. And if I stay with myself, then what actually happens is that I stop looking to the left and looking to the right. I stay with myself. So that sense of comparing is stopped. And then the other one then would be, you know, don't let other people's opinions have too much influence on you. Yeah. 
And I think that's a huge burden on young people nowadays, where the opinions of peers are by that, uh, you know, in that stage of development, of human development, very important. So it's really working on changing that habit of wondering what other people think. And then we move on to another tool, which is risk. The risk believing that things will turn out positively and then we can move forward. And that as we move on then, that we'll, if things get too difficult and if things don't go as planned, we can, we can stop. And the last two ones I'm putting into your toolkit is laughter. Learning to laugh at ourselves and not to worry about it too much. And if we were to put a bow on that box, (laughs) I would put a bow called celebration. So celebrating our successes, recording them in a book, a photograph, and this reinforces our confidence. Like when I did the take 10K with you, God, I felt I was ready for the Olympics, you know, and um, no, no, but it was that real feel good and a real sense of this is something I've achieved, worked at. So looking at these tools, there are ways that we can put in our bag and that will help defeat self-sabotage and develop confidence. And this takes awareness, tools that we've described and just practice. And it's that inner belief to push through our fears and to move forward. Yeah, no, I love some of the stuff you're saying there. And I, I totally agree. Something I heard as well. And and that, and as you said, it's getting more prevalent with especially younger people, that comparison theory. So, and you, you know, you've heard, I'm sure a lot of people have heard that comparison is the thief of thief of joy. And right. before, which is so true. And I like how you said, okay, just focus in on yourself and not not what to the left and, and not what's to the right of you so I really love that um, and as a great um, motivational speaker called Les Brown um, an American guy and he said once which you've you pretty much said there as well as a um, someone's opinion of you doesn't have to become your reality I found that was really powerful absolutely I, yeah it's, it's not someone else's opinion it's your life it's your opinion that matters of yourself not anyone else's um, no, that's brilliant, Sheila. Um, and in the role of kind of therapy, I suppose, and life coaching, where would that come in or how would that in regards to confidence? Okay. Um, I think it can be a, a very positive thing. Um, when we talk about confidence, um, developing confidence, people that lack com- uh, confidence in a whole range of areas as I said earlier, Michael, it can be deep rooted. It can go back and it may be very linked to trauma. And that's where psychotherapy and that um, is helpful because the person needs to develop a sense of themselves, uh, a, a, a connection with themselves okay. and work from there. And for other people, it may be in particular areas and cognitive behavioral therapy is very useful and there is NLP training, you know, um, various therapies like that can certainly help with cognitions, thought patterns um, and help with anxiety management. I think life coaching, and you're more familiar with that than I, um, is, is, is very useful, particularly um in key areas of let's say work or sport or life goals and um you know the two can be intertwined so i suppose i would always encourage people to seek professional help if it's something that they're finding um uh, too much for themselves to handle or they need maybe the objectivity of a professional to kind of chart their their route for them Mm. and uh, like therapy and life coaching is really about facilitating people to have a sense of inner belief in themselves and it's almost putting up the scaffolding on a person until they're ready then to take action and I go back to the word action is is the core of confidence so um 
I, I think it's important. Um, I notice with younger clients, um, it's amazing in a world where there is so much in terms of technology and that, but the whole impact, the negative impact of social media on people in terms of body images, self-confidence, um, in terms of work, appearance, relationships, um, it can be very crushing for young people. And therefore, um, therapies and supports, whether counselling, psychotherapy, which is more deep-rooted issues that are long-standing, um, uh, life coaching, all of those certainly can give people a framework on which to work on the practice of developing confidence. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that sort of scaffolding technique um, about supporting through various means, whether it be psychotherapy, counselling, life coaching, um, and to support the person working on the inside and also the outside structure, should we say, uh, the physical and the mental. So, um, no, that's brilliant. And it's funny, you talked about action being the, the core of confidence. I really like that because, uh, and it's funny, I just posted something, as you mentioned there, about Instagram, and I try and follow people that's going to be positive and build and build me up and, and get stuff from. And I just popped up a, a quote there, and uh, it says, you don't have to see the whole staircase to take the first step. Do you know what I mean? So it's that confidence to, okay, let's, you know, we don't, yeah, as, as we did, you know, you don't have to, you know, tomorrow, if you never, if you haven't run before, you're not going to go out tomorrow and run a 10K. But Absolutely. if three or four months build up and you do the steps to get there, then you're going to have, that's going to build that confidence over those months. So when you came to race day, you're confident that you had that in, in the tank, do you know what I mean, to, to complete that. And rather than, like, if I came in to do a presentation and I had no prep done, would I be confident in delivering a good, a good um, presentation? No. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's this all in the the preparation, and that's going to breed your your confidence um, going forward. I, I think Michael, there, you know, you said a lot there. I, uh, you know, let's not be too negative on technology and social media. You know, the the ready access to positive quotes, positive readings, poems, yeah. um, self help, all of those things can conquer that inner critic that. Most of us have to some degree. Um, and I think also to surround ourselves with positive people and people that affirm us and encourage us and see the good in us. Um, and to avoid people then that can be sharp, you know, kind of, as we know, hurt people can hurt people. So sometimes mm -hmm. people that have their own issues in relation to their own belief about themselves can crush others. And really, it's very important to have a supportive um, circle around us, people that believe in us, that love us and encourage us and uh, will promote our general well-being. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I'm always pushing the, the the inner circle and how important that is. And mm. I think we've all been around people uh, over the years. If you think back, that you were probably putting a lot more energy in and there wasn't a lot coming back and if it was it was negative so it's trying to to as you said um you know that that those people around you are there you're supporting them they're supporting you you're holding each other up and building each other up i think so i think that's that's massive um so I think, just michael it's a very it's very if there's a very a very simple exercise if we can connect with our bodies and we spoke about the breath but if we can ground ourselves and really come the body keeps the score. Um, that's a term that's used a lot in the world of psychotherapy. But the body does keep the score that every thought has a corresponding reaction in the body. Mm. So who if who drains me? Who are the people that I feel drained by? Who gives me energy? Who gives me that feel good factor? And they're the people we need to spend more time with. Exactly. Um, quick question as well for you just came to my head there. I heard it once. I'm just checking if it's if it's true. If you said to like if you said to yourself, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna put my trainers on and I'm gonna do a little walk slash jog around the block a couple of times, and then if you renege on that and you don't do that, 
And as you said there, your body keeps cool. Does it, it, does it, am I right in saying it kind of remembers that you've reneged on what you said you were going to do? It does, yeah. It builds, it builds the fear. Yeah. That's really interesting, isn't it? Um, I um, recently had dealings with somebody who wants to exercise and has a fabulous circuit around where she lives. Yeah. That everybody does. And she's very popular and would appear very confident, but she has a fear of being seen out walking. Okay. In public, on her own. Okay. And she keeps putting it off. So she tackled it last week. And how she tackled it was she took the dog with her. <laughs> that just the it just she felt the dog was supportive wasn't just she and her own it's just that in her history she has a lot of shame and about being seen and being visible and there's a lot of kind of inner beliefs that we have about ourselves that we um keep feeding and really it's about challenging those what stops me Mm. and is that a fact or is it just a random thought? Is it a fact that I can't walk this particular route around my local town? What is stopping me? And if it's fear, how can I acquire the courage within me to pull, put myself through? So if it's about getting the lead on my dog, then that's, that's, a, a, pretty good, that's, that's a pretty good scaffolding to mm. get you out there. And she's been doing it. And each... It's that once she makes that first step and then the second, she's building these new messages. She's rewiring her brain to say, I can and I am and I will continue doing it. Whereas if we build the the false one, I can't do this and I won't do it. So it's really about standing back and looking that we have two options. And what support do I need to make what I really desire possible? And what's the plus about taking this particular form of action? And what goes, what's the outcome if I choose something, if I choose to stay stuck? Yeah. So it's really about problem solving and maybe taking out pen and paper and just exploring it from that point of view. Yeah, I think a pen and paper is great and it can get rationalise it. Um, I was talking slightly different subject, but I was talking about vision boards and stuff today with the corporate group and as you know, the fact of printing stuff out, writing things on boards, okay. affirming, you know, putting up affirmations, what you want in, in, in your life. Um, it's powerful rather than just thinking it. <clears throat> it's actually putting it down on paper. So when you problem mm-hmm. solve, I think it kind of, you're nearly stepping out of yourself and looking down on a bird's eye view about, That's okay, fine. Can I, That's can, right. I, can I sort of rationalise this situation and uh, overcome it? And the fact she said, oh, you know, I'll take my dog. I've got a bit of company. And now she's do, you know, she's feeling more confident. I love that, um, how that's her stepping stone. And as I put on my post literally about an hour ago before I came on with you, was like one step becomes two and two becomes three. And then that's before, right. before you know it, you've got a habit created. That's right. That's right. So it's really about creating new habits and, yeah. and uh, as they say, practice creates experience and experience builds confidence. I love that. That's a great, that's a great quote. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's my own. <laughs> I'll write that down. That, that's a good one. Thanks, for that, Sheila. Um, so uh, just, I suppose, to summarise, Sheila, yes, for the listeners now, what could be... What could be their first step tomorrow to starting on the road for, for, for getting better confidence? To breathe. Breathe, yeah. Conquer your anxiety and really get that inner connection with yourself. Yeah. I think the second thing then is listen to what you're saying to yourself. What's my inner dialogue? And is that positive? Is it affirming? Or is it my inner critic? Is it the way, what messages am I saying to myself? And I'd be writing them down and I'd be then asking the question, is that an actual fact? 
Is it a fact that I can't stop smoking? Is it a fact that I can't exercise? And if we come and say that it's a fact that I can stop smoking, what scaffolding, what supports would help me on that? So setting out a, a goal, a plan, plan of action, and then being committed and consistent with that and really seeking the support of other people. And that may include a life coach. It may include a counsellor. It may include somebody like yourself, right? Um, it may include a loved one yeah. that really does everything to support us to get out for that run in the evenings, to get out for that walk, to make that class. Yeah. And maybe we do need to ask for support to make these goals, these uh, things happen for us. Yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, you know, I've been in this sort of health and fitness and, and sort of wellness field now for, well, fitness field anyways, for over nearly 20 years now. So it, it's, yeah. it's one of the best bits of things, feedback I can ever see is confidence growing in a person. Mm -hmm. Do you know, mm -hmm. someone who's come in very self-conscious, wouldn't even go into a class for maybe four or five months doing one-to-ones to build that confidence and then to see them going into obviously that first class was going to be a bit nervous but then once they're getting used to it they're flying they're meeting people there you can see the change in their personality come through that build, building of confidence which has taken time but they've been consistent and they they have you know and that critical time where they could drop off they didn't they powered on through when maybe that that the other side of the brain was saying, okay, you think you should stop now? They didn't. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of the best fee feedback I can get. That's why I'm still in the industry is just seeing how amazing it is to see how a person grows in confidence and seeing the result of that. And if you take that example of the person moving through a program with you, first of all, they're developing, you know, they're, they're, they're conquering their fear. They're, um, motivated and then as they build up the experience of well-being yeah. by getting to their class they're increasing hormones called endorphins these happy hormones yeah. and then all of that creates then a new frame of thinking a new program within the brain um of self-regulating and we can then um work through some of these old messages that have become ingrained and we can develop a whole new uh, sense of self-belief, sense of self-worth and a whole new sense of um, patterns, habits, um, yeah. behaviours. And with that, then we become healthier people. Wow, brilliant. Love that, Sheila. Um, we could talk for hours. <laughs> we could. <laughs> Um, but we'll uh, we'll uh, we call it a day. Maybe it was a nice way to to finish up, and I really appreciate uh, you your time and coming back on. And I know you said to me that you got a lot of calls and messages about the last one. Um, so we wanted to see if we can make another one happen, and and we can maybe touch on another topic. That, you know, again, if that's okay with you. That's okay with me. <laughs> um, okay. So Thank you very much, Mike. It's it's a pleasure always to to chat to you. No worries at all, Sheila. And mind yourself. And uh, hopefully we'll see. We've got a chink of light. That we have a chink of light. We'll return to some kind of a normal soon. But uh, best of luck. Um, and I will talk to you very soon. Thanks a lot, Sheila. Okay, not a bother.